what is the significance of geography in the Bible? If you've ever picked up a Bible and just read through it, you'll notice there's a tons, ton of names and places that seem very foreign that you might not recognize. And today we come to a passage that is really talking a lot about where Jesus is going and what he's doing in this location. Now, just like if you were to be plopped down somewhere in the world that you don't know, uh, it takes some time to get your bearings, to understand where you are and what the meaning of a place is. We already uh, learned earlier that uh, there is this a rumor about Nazareth that nothing good can come out of Nazareth. And we said, well, the only good thing actually came out of Nazareth, the very Son of God. And today we're going to look at uh, these places of Galilee, Zebulun, and Naphtali in uh, Capernaum. And so uh, today I'm going to actually read, we're going to finish the chapter, but I'm going to read it in two sections so we can break it down um, into kind of smaller bite-sized portions for us to discuss. So let's uh, consider these places that Matthew is describing. This is Matthew 12 to 17. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right, so let's start with Galilee. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is really a very tiny lake. It's only about 13 by 8 miles. Uh, it's called Lake Tiberias. That's another name for it. And it's called the sea, Matthew calls it the sea, uh, to associate it with all this imagery of the sea in the Old Testament. Think about the sea. It's a scary place. If you've ever been just out in the middle of the ocean where your feet can't touch the bottom, it's pretty scary, right? A shark could run up on you. Anything could happen to you. The sea is also where there is great sea dragons. There is this Leviathan that is described in Job that God plays with in the ocean. If you go to the book of Revelation, which is really the culmination of, of all the symbolism in the Bible, the sea is associated with the Gentile nations. The sea is where the beast arises from, whereas the land is associated with Israel, with the patriarchs. They are the people of the promised land. Think about even the book of Genesis. You never see Abraham or Isaac or Jacob get in a boat. None of them are fishers. They're all shepherds. They're land-dwelling people that wander around. And then suddenly you come to the New Testament, and there's all this water everywhere. There's fishers. Jesus is going to tell uh, his disciples, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so this should already tip us off to know that something new is happening. This is a gospel. This gospel of the kingdom is not just for Israel. It's a gospel that's going to go out to the sea. It's going to go to the nations. What about Zebulun and Naphtali? So Zebulun and Naphtali, if you uh, were to look back at 2 Kings 15, uh, Tiglath-Pileser, it's a fun name, uh, he's the king of Assyria, and he's going to con conquer Zebulun and Naphtali. And they are really the first uh, parts of the tribes of Israel to be conquered by Assyria. They're the first nations to descend into the darkness of Gentile rule and oppression. 
And then Isaiah 9 foretells this promise that someone's going to come and make things right, that light is going to shine in the middle of this darkness. And so Jesus actually starts his ministry here for a reason, to fulfill Isaiah 9, but to also tell them, hey, you know where the darkness started? That's where the light is going to start too. And it's and just as the darkness eventually descended upon all of Israel, um, uh, Israel in the north fell to uh, Assyria, Judah in the south fell to Babylon. Well, Jesus is going to take it all. He's going to bring and reconstitute these 12 tribes and his 12 disciples symbolically. And he's going to reign as king, but not the way that they expected him to. But nevertheless, he's going to bring the light to them. Let's continue on through the end of the chapter. Uh, it says in verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Notice the radical nature of following Jesus, right? They leave their profession. They leave their family behind. They leave it all behind and follow Jesus. And then uh, this chapter concludes 23 to 25. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Notice all the places that people are coming from and flocking to Jesus. Who is this man who comes with healing in his wings? This is a, a prophecy of the Messiah. This is something actually uh, J.R.R. Tolkien picks up in The Lord of the Rings. Uh, one of the ways you know that Aragorn is the true king is that he has this ability to heal people. And where did he get that? Well, he got that from scripture. When the Messiah comes, he's going to come with healing in his wings. We're going to see uh, a woman is going to stretch out. And it says he, uh, she grabs uh, Jesus' uh, robe. And in the, in the Greek, it's actually his wing. Like Jesus has, is an altar. And if you grab onto him, you will be healed. And so you have all of these multitudes following him from all over the place. We're going to start chapter five tomorrow, which is going to be the, sermon, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. So we'll probably slow down a bit to look at that more closely. If you guys have questions for me, uh, feel free to comment. Or if you have uh, things that you uh, want me to discuss topically, maybe uh, we're just going through the Bible right now, but I'll probably stop and do some topical discussions at some point. So you have suggestions for that, let me know. See you guys tomorrow.